Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Five Times Podcast. To see a legend near you, check out the events page on our website, fivetimes.co.uk. Welcome to this week's Five Times Podcast with me, Neil Meller. Well, it's international break, unfortunately. The timing. Top of the Premier League, absolutely made up after that stunning performance against Watford. 6-1 it finished, it could have well have been a lot more, but how many have we got? About 12 Liverpool players away on international duty. So we'll have a little chat this week, England versus Scotland, of course. That's the, the highlight of international games, no doubt, this weekend. We have former Liverpool captain and England captain at one point, Phil Thompson. He joins us to talk about how proud it was for him to represent his country. And of course, he featured in this fixture a number of times. And Gary Gillespie as well, a proud Scotsman, he'll come on and tell us about this current Scottish side and what chances they have going down to Wembley and getting any kind of result. It's been an interesting week also for the Irish. You know, they've got a World Cup qualifying game against Austria coming up. We speak to one of their best ever, Ronnie Whelan. He'll come on, tell us what it's like to, to be away with Ireland and also in comparisons as he was part of that last team for Liverpool to win the championship. We'll ask him about comparing that team to the current side and you know what the chances may be of... We'll review another decent week for the academy as well. Three of the graduates signing new deals, a success story year on year, it seems, from the academy. And still playing in the championship with Wigan, we have Stephen Warnock. He's the captain down there these days. And we ask him about the new arrival of Warren Joyce, of course, their new manager. And the ladies' season's finished. We get... Liverpool ladies captain Gemma Bonner she comes on and tells us how the season's been for them to hear previous podcasts check out and rate our page on iTunes thanks for listening OK England Scotland at Wembley this week and let's get a couple of lads who know all about the international rivalry also happens to be two of the classiest centre halves we could boast at Liverpool warm welcome to Phil Thompson and Gary Gillespie you there boys? Hi Neil, Neil you're alright right, Hi Good to have you. Obviously, international break. It's a big game in England versus Scotland. Tomo, what about the timing of this international break? We've just gone top of the Premier League, Liverpool. Well, it's, you never liked it. When it's going so well, you don't like the international breaks. But I suppose when they come along, it's always good to um, sort of have a good result uh, before you get, you get into it. And, and it's the same with the other teams. When they have a bad one, you've got to stew for, for two weeks. But to finish with a 6-1 uh, win was absolutely fantastic. It just keeps, You just want more then when this is happening. So it's been a, it's been a terrific few weeks. And uh, we, we now obviously look forward to the derby with Scotland. Yeah, Gary, obviously it's not going to be 6-1 this week in England-Scotland, but it should be a game worth watching, shouldn't it? Well, you say that, mate. It could be 6-1, <laughs> to be honest with you. The only reason it probably won't be 6-1 is England can't score goals just now. Um now, Scotland, they've gone through a little bit of a bad spell. Gordon striking under a little bit of pressure. Um, to be honest with you, I don't really know who's out there that could do a better job than Gordon. Uh, England themselves, obviously, uh, are in a little bit of disarray. But it's always a big fixture, this. It always brings uh, passion and, and blood and thunder and guts. And we normally rip the goalposts down there. But, so <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to do that this time or not. But... Uh, 
Um, no, I think um, look, England obviously going into this strong favourites. Uh, be interesting to see how many Liverpool guys actually get like the chance to to perform. You would think that Henderson would probably be a starter, Daniel Sturridge possibly. Um, so like it'll be interesting. Klein again as, as right back. Probably Walker's got the, the the nod over him. So interesting to see the Liverpool guys. I, I think more than than anything else. Um, but I think Scotland have got it all to do. Yeah, but Dizzy, Dizzy, you you know as well as I do. It's when these games come along, and I know when we were playing, it was far better Scotland side than it is at this moment. But even a few even a few years back when England won up in Scotland two 0 and then came down to Wembley, and the Scots still had the upper hand, and that wasn't a great Scotland side. I know this one's not, but it is like a derby, and you can't. You can't judge it. I still think England have got the quality out the two sides to win the game. But sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the, the three points. Tom, you played in this game four times, I think, and winning three times. How different at international is this rivalry? I mean, we look at Liverpool and Everton and United are our big rivals, but is this the big one at international level for you, England? Listen, it, it, it was because, you know, it, it is it is different now in a, in the dressing rooms of football clubs because it's changed a lot of more foreign players. But in our day, with, with Gary and myself, you had a lot of Scottish players in there and the rivalry, the banter was fantastic. And you were so up for it in the home international championships. This was massive. You did not want to be beaten. You knew that you had your, your teammates. You didn't want to go back at the home internationals that... They had the upper hand, and they didn't. I was quite fortunate that I won three times. The only time um, I did lose was up at Hamden when Ray Clements let a Kenny Daglee shot go through between his legs, which wasn't very nice. But but it is it's the most fantastic game and fantastic atmosphere. I know there's about thirteen thousand Scots who've got tickets. I'll tell you what, though, there's going to be more like twenty five thousand that will have them in that stadium. Let's talk to uh, let's talk about us then. Liverpool, fantastic performance against Watford at the weekend. Six goals, loads of chances, but most importantly, the three points. The comparisons are always going to be made to the team that, that won it last time for Liverpool back in 1990. Top scorers, best defensive record. At the moment, Liverpool, certainly top scorers. How do we rectify this defensive record? Obviously, it's an area that we need to improve on. Well, I think sometimes you can dally a little bit too much on the negatives and, and, and disregard the positives. Um I think certainly in, in our day and, and probably just up really to the recent years that it was probably regarded as having a better defence or a really solid defence that really won you Premier League titles and league titles. Mm. I'm maybe not so sure that that is the case at, at this moment in time. I think football's maybe evolving a little bit and there's far more teams being far more attack-minded and you know goals are like uh, what, what win your games at this moment in time. But it would be nice to... To get that elusive, uh, you know, that elusive clean sheet uh, away from home, um, I think it's something that it gives you a, a platform to build on. But at this moment in time, you know, it's not as if Liverpool are winning, you know, by the odd goal. They're actually winning by quite a quite a margin. I know it was disappointing, maybe from the goalkeeper's point of view and the defender's point of view, that they lost that little that goal against Watford. But up till then, you know, it was sensational stuff and. You know, I think you sometimes you just got to go with the ride and, and, and go with the flow. And at this moment in time, we're looking absolutely sensational going forward. And 
you know, I think defensively, I don't think we're that bad. To be fair, I think. But Gary, um, Gary, yeah. you look at you look you look at the players. Our back four, which is the main back four. You tell me who's been playing poorly. Prime, yeah. Matt, Matip. You've got uh, Lovren, and you've got James Milner. Now, to me, all those have been absolutely terrific. So, as players and as a unit, they're not bad. It's just, I, I think, it is mainly set plays. They're what we've lost a lot of. They're what people say is our Achilles heel. But as for individuals and a unit, I don't think these lads have done too bad. I think they've actually done quite decent. Yeah, I think, as I say, I think sometimes things are blown out of proportion a little bit. And I just uh-huh. think that in the, in the modern day era, it's difficult being a defender. I would hate to be a defender these days, to be honest with you, because I just think so much is geared towards like exciting and uh, attacking football, and attackers get like the benefit of the doubt in most things: offside tackles, you know, collisions, aerial duels. Um, I just think it's um, it's exciting times at Liverpool. There's no getting away from it. So I, I don't really want to dwell too much on the negative. And if that is a negative, to be honest with you, I don't really see it myself as a, as a negative. More of an area to improve, but I wanted to, to focus on the front three who have been very influential so far this season in Mane, Coutinho and Firmino. Captain Jordan Henderson called them world-class. How good are they, Tomo? Yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're sort of a bit disrespectful to Adam Lallana in, in passing him as one of the forwards as well. I, I would look at it, it's the four of them who've done it. He maybe didn't score Adam Lallana at the weekend, but my goodness, what a contribution he makes to everything. Uh, he has scored goals this year. His assists, he is the one who starts the pressing from the front. I think he's the energetic one. And his ability in between the lines to get a ball, turn very, very quickly and go forward. It's just sensational. So I know everybody in Jordan was going on about the, those three. I just think he is great. But the other boys, I think Firmino's been an absolute dream. Um, he's so quick with his feet he sees things he's getting the goals that he deserves he seems to have got an extra yard even dare I say two from somewhere and I think Mane was a missing link because he's brought this extra uh, pace to the front lads I know Origi's got a bit Daniel doesn't seem to have it as much so you needed somebody to really have take the game and I think Mane has been terrific and I don't need to say too much more about Coutinho terrific yeah, I think you're right there, Tom. I think Manny's given us that little bit thing that we were missing, that little bit of pace, that ability to get in behind teams and, and beat people. And, you know, I think that's maybe given a little bit more space because, you know, yourself as a defender, the last thing you want is people running at you. And you, you tend to be able to stretch the game. And we've done that well. I think the balance of the side at this moment in time it looks really, really good. You know, you look at the likes of Vinaldum that can't really get into the side, but Chan's come mm-hmm. into the side and, and, and played exceptionally well. But, but I think it was one of the goals. I'm not too sure which one it was, but we're getting bodies into the box as well now, and we're you know we're penning teams in like in their own half, but we're getting bodies into the box and we're creating opportunities. And if you've got four or five players in the box at every time that you're getting wide areas, you know you're going to have a chance to like to, to to score goals, and that's what we're doing at this moment in time. I think it's noticeable as well that Coutinho 
For me, he's playing a little bit quicker. Lalana's playing a little bit quicker. In fact, they're all playing a little bit quicker. They're not having as many touches at, on on the football, and hence the reason we're opening up defences and creating more opportunities. And at this moment in time, we've been ably backed up by Jordan Henderson. I was doing the commentary at the weekend, and I, I lost count of how many times he intercepted the ball when like Watford were trying to break out. Uh, it was a lot, and that's where it all started from. And as I say, when you win balls in good areas of the pitch. You, you've got a real good, strong platform to build on. Yeah, because don't forget, even um, you know the goalkeeper, Carrius, he was having to kick a lot more balls because they were putting three people up front to make him kick the ball and said, well, well Firmino's not going to win much. But Firmino was challenging for every ball. But you're quite right, Dizzy. Those, the next line of players were all going right and we were all straight on to the second balls. And we were winning so many in that area but the turnover of possession off Watford was very, very quick. And so it, it made me feel better of Carriers kicking it more long. And as we've seen, we do like to play it out. But now there's no problems as long as everybody's aware that that second ball needs to win. And then we're so quick um, on the counter-attack. It's just sensational. You mentioned there about Carriers kicking it long and Firmino challenging for the ball. That was Emery Chan's goal because he flicks it on. Lalana gets forward, gets the ball into the box for, for Emery Chan's goal. Question I wanted to ask you, there was four different goal scorers against Crystal Palace when we beat them down there. Five different goal scorers against Watford at the weekend in that impressive display. It's a real team contribution, isn't it? Rather than relying on maybe an over-reliance on one player, should there be an injury or two, there's that team effort. I think I think that's the, the, the great thing. Like We... We started off talking about the back four, and I believe that they've all played well as an individual, as a unit. And then we spoke about the uh, the, um, the attack, and Gary was saying about Henderson and Chan. I think Wijnaldum has been so unfortunate not to be still a starter in this. And I'm a great admirer of him. So those players there with some good jumpsters behind, I think you're quite right. Is that it's it's a team. Uh, performance, what is what has been uh, bringing this out? I think it's nothing, nothing short of wonderful to see everybody taking part. The two centre backs scoring, uh, which gives you, hey, I can't remember the last time sort of centre backs were scoring goals for us. It was very, very unusual. But at least we look as though, and it's the quality of the corner kick. I can go back to last year when uh, James Miller didn't even look as though he could get it beyond the first man. So that is another positive. Yeah, I think when you look at it, Liverpool more often than not, certainly in our day, Tom, it was always like a team team of uh, affair, wasn't it? It was always regarded as a, as a team ethic that you, you worked hard for each other and you had that uh-huh. smattering of like individual class players, the likes of Dalglishes, the likes of Sunasis and uh, the likes of Russia that it was going to get you goals. And I think that's how, how, how it is at this moment in time. I think when you look at like recent years, you know you've always had one. You had Torres when under you know under Benitez, I think it was, uh, and then you maybe had Steven and, and, and Cara that was getting all the headlines. But and then you know had Luis Suarez. But underneath that, it wasn't as strong as maybe what this team is at this moment in time. This is yeah. far more like um, a, a togetherness that you feel a good camaraderie as well within the dressing room. And we say it often and often. But you don't win anything without having good team spirit within the dressing room. At this moment in time, you know I think they've got that, and it's really translating out onto the pitch through the coaching staff, through the players, and the performances are, are showing that. Well, it's nice, isn't it? Because, and I think we have to come back to the manager. You know, the team, the team are playing in the image of our manager, which is high energy, passion, commitment, and. The, 
inside is going out and doing what he's doing on the touchline. He's with them. Um, I'm very much a liker of that. He demand them from the sideline and his players do exactly the same. And it's not all always lovely and he hugs everybody and that the clock hug at the end of it. I've seen him be a very angry man and I, I did see him uh, the other day when he was having a tearing right into Coutinho of all people and it was with about sort of 20 minutes, 25 minutes to go. He didn't half tear off uh, a strip of him and Coutinho was sort of gesturing back while he tried to do something or run somewhere. So it's not all nice. And I love that. So besides the, uh, the players on the park, this fella is just, he's getting everybody to tap into what he demands. Well, I think the scary, I think the scary thing is, and like Jurgen Klopp's mentioned it as well, Tom. I think they can get better. There's still there's still certain things I think they can they can even improve on. So, you know, I think uh, fingers crossed. I think we've been here before, maybe a few false dawns, but this yeah. this this certainly looks very good at this moment in time. Yeah, and I was just saying that this morning we've been here a few times because because we had the three previous times we finished second, and you know, talk about false dawns and. You know, it's it's not only hopefully this season goes as well as we all want, but it's not just a one-season wonder. We've got to be make sure that we are competing on a regular basis for that top spot. I don't want to see us being one season. And that's what's happened in the past. And I was a part of that back in uh, 2002. And I don't want to see it just, just being a one-season wonder. Boys, absolutely brilliant. Listen to you both all day. Thanks for your time and joining us today. Coming soon to a city near you, the Liverpool Legends. For more information and ticket prices, check out our websites, fivetimes.co.uk. Let's welcome one of our most famous ever Irish Reds. No time for him to put his feet up, no doubt, because Ireland go to Austria on Saturday night for a World Cup qualifier. Ronnie Whelan joins us. Ronnie, are you going to be covering that game? Unfortunately, no. I wouldn't mind going over to Austria. Nice place, but um, it's a big game for Ireland. They're doing OK in the group at this moment in time. Um, not playing well, but getting good results. And I think the manager's getting a bit annoyed with the press people who keep telling them that, but he's saying they're playing well, they're doing good. But I think he's he's probably a little bit wrong on that because they're not playing well at all, but the results have been magnificent for them. It was funny listening to Roy Keane. He always uh, comes out with a few classics and he, he was at it again, wasn't he, the other day? He wasn't happy, was he, about Everton? Um, <laughs> but then again, I remember Kevin Sheedy when he used to come from Everton to, to the Ireland squad and Sheedy used to always turn up injured, but he was not missing a night out in Dublin. So he would always come injured, bring his boots, and then when he'd get off the plane, he'd throw them in the corner of the bedroom so I won't be needing them, but I'll be here for a few days. <laughs> so these injuries go back a long time with Everton players. What was it like then for you when you when you were called up back then for Ireland? Yeah, so I got my dad played for Ireland as well, so it was one of them that well, I'd love to be able to do it. Um, it. It's an amazing thing when you're called up for your country, but then to get your first game, I came on against Czechoslovakia as it was back then. We won each when I come on and then I swung it, of course. We won 3-1. <laughs> then the, the next game I played, the first game I started was against the great French team of the 80s, Platini and, and mm. Bossis and Jerez and all these. And we beat them in Dublin, which was a huge thing for me as a 19, 20-year-old. What was it, what was the routine like back then for you? I mean, you mentioned there about Kevin Sheedy coming. Was there always you know, a, a gathering before training sessions, a night out sort of thing? That, well, back then it was always a gathering. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? It's a thing. People talk about this with Liverpool players as well of the 80s. Yes, we did have a drink. Everybody had a drink back then. But you always did it at the right time. 
now and again you'd overstep the mark and, and you'd realise you'd been out of order. But no, we went, we went. If you could get there on a Saturday after a big league game, you did. You know, if you were in London, you could get to Heathrow and get over to Dublin on a Saturday and we all met up in the pub and then we'd have a few drinks and then we'd do the, game, the same again on Sunday. But then after that, you know, you're ready Monday morning for training and then Tuesday, Wednesday training and then usually ready for the game. Sweat it all out. Well, God, if you, you come out of Leeson Street at six in the morning, Sunday morning, you're training at ten o'clock. It wasn't too good, really, at times. Brilliant. Well, back back to us then. It's been uh, it's been a fantastic start, hasn't it? You know, unbeaten in eleven games. First time we've been top of the Premier League since May two thousand and fourteen. We're all enjoying seeing ourselves there. What needs to happen, do you think, for us to stay there? Um, I don't know. It's 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 difficult. The way they're playing is some of the best football I've seen from Liverpool teams for a long, long time. The movement is magnificent. Defensively, they could be a bit better. I think we all understand that. When you're letting in a couple of goals and you're scoring four or five in the other end, it's it's like an old Barcelona thing, isn't it? You know, you you are going to concede, but hopefully, you will score more at the other end. I I, I would rather they would not let in any goals whatsoever, but we know it's not going to happen. There is comparisons made of the team that won it last. You were involved in that team, and any similarities that you can see with the current team? You know what, Nels, I was looking at the game the other day and I'm thinking this is something that did happen because when you had the likes of Barnes, Beardsley, Aldridge, um, Rush, Ray Houghton, myself, Macca, mm. you know, when these players were in the team and the movement was, you know, diggers, they talk about Barnes being a left winger, yes, but he stepped in off the line many times, Peter just behind Rush or Aldo. It, 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 it's, there's lots of similarities in how the movement was great. I think defensively we were probably better. Mm. But um, the same sort of movement going forward and goals could come from anywhere up front or in midfield. How would that team do you reckon get on against this current team? Fancy chances? Um, <laughs> I'd probably say, probably end up 1-1. <laughs> now, considering I'm 55, right, Mac is 54, Rush is 53, that wouldn't be too bad. I'd win. Interesting listening to uh, Daniel Surridge this week talking about training, the different training methods under Jurgen Klopp. He was mentioning that there's a lot of double sessions and not a lot of five sides. How would you have? Um, how would that have gone down with you? No five sides. No, that that wasn't me. That wasn't my training at all. Like, we used to do a warm up, um, walk around Melwood a couple of times, then jog around Melwood a couple of times, then get a bit quicker, then go into a seven sides. But it's only when you finish playing that you realise there was something in every. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The training session that they were trying to get through. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd say pass the ball and run 20 yards forward. And you, you would pass the ball, say, sideways and have to run 20 yards forward. If you didn't, it was a free kick. 
And then you, you, you hear we weren't getting forward from midfield at the time. The midfielders were not running past the centre forwards. And it was all geared to these sort of things. That, but we didn't, well, I didn't realise it at the time. We just thought it was stupid what we were doing. <laughs> but it was all geared up towards something that they needed to happen in the game. And it worked, of course. Uh, we, it worked very well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're talking about Liverpool this season being a collective effort. Um, obviously, we don't want to see that happen. But you see... Injuries are a huge part, aren't they, of the modern day game? Leicester last season winning the Premier League, they were fortunate in that respect. Who do you think we would miss the most if, if the unfortunate thing happened, something like that? Yeah, I hope it doesn't happen. Um, but there's plenty of players we would miss. Coutinho, Firmino, Henderson now you would think you would miss. But how good was it on Saturday or Sunday when we were like four or five up and then Wijnaldum and Sturridge come off the bench mm. and Sturridge nearly gets a hat-trick, Wijnaldum scores and you think, we've got people in reserve now we've got bodies that can come on that pitch and even still make a change when you're 4-0 up and I thought that was a really really good thing to see from, from my point of view for Liverpool that they, you look at the bench can we make a change yes there's a couple we could bring on Sturridge when Aldham it might not always be them they may play and there'll be someone else coming on but we have people in there now that can that can do something when they do come on and, and how important is that attitude as well you mentioned there Sturridge coming on setting up and involved with that sixth goal which Vinyardum scored Ajari as well was involved with that move how important is it the attitude that they're coming on to contribute now that's I think that's what the manager's instilled it's the whole attitude and it has for me changed I, I watched Sturridge a few months back and you think well he does he really want to be here and then I watch him coming on Saturday Sunday whenever it was and then you think yeah, he wants to be here he wants to be part of this and if I was a player at Liverpool I yes I would be upset if I was on the bench but it wouldn't be the end all for me because somebody may get injured and I would want to be part of something that is is looking really, really good and looks good going forward into the next season, the season after. I would want to be really part of that. One of the players who came on was Vinyaldum. I think he came on for Marne. He was on for his hat-trick. He's been absolutely outstanding since arriving from Southampton. It was interesting listening to his story this week. Rags to riches story. story. He travelled 500 miles just to play in a, in a trial. I think he was about 15 years old. And from that moment onwards, that was where his football story. How impressed have you been with Marne this season? Mane, what can you say about Mane? It's his power, isn't it? And it's so quick. And every time it looks like a defender's going to nick the ball, somehow he gets that half a yard and gets away from him. And then it's, it's, it's from a like a standing start. He can just explode and get you've gone past him. It's, you're just nowhere near him. I've been very impressed with him. And, and we all looked at it. I'm sure we all looked at it. Well, I did. And saw 30 odd million. Mm, we don't know what we're getting here. I don't know if he's that good. But 30, 30 odd million seems a bit of a bargain at the moment. Doing very well. What about, have we found a new position, do you think, for Emre Chan? That's two goals in two games. He's been playing further forward. We've seen him play a lot deeper, of course, in his early parts of his Liverpool career. But he seems to be really flourishing in a more advanced role. Well, Mel, it's well, it's, it's, it's a thing when the team are playing well and everybody's confident. You just, as Chan is at the moment, drifting into positions that are further forward than he's probably ever been and finds himself in front of goal. And he scores, but it also helps that he knows that Henderson's going to sit in midfield when he gets forward. So I think it's a whole, again, you talk about collective, everybody's confident in everybody else and everybody's confident that if they go forward, someone will fill in. And that's what we were learned, we learned in the 80s. If Alan Kennedy at left back went forward, I would sit in as a left back till he got back in. And the way they're doing it at the moment, Liverpool, is is that they they Henderson may go forward, Chan will sit in. It's just... It's a conundrum for teams. Where are these coming from? I don't know. Is it Chan I'm picking up? Is it Firmino I'm picking up? Coutinho will step in. Um, but they're just confidence. And, and 
Chiana's like the rest of them playing with a lot of confidence and that all comes from the manager okay. we'll, we'll finish with a quick one on Steven Gerrard his MLS time seems to be over with that defeat on penalties recently for the LA Galaxy they got beat in the playoffs what do you think's next for someone like Steven? it's up to Steven isn't it? the world's as oyster as they say there's plenty of places he can go I know his heart's at Liverpool um, we've seen what happened with Ryan Giggs when Mourinho coming at Man United he was gone the hero was gone straight away um, does Klopp want Steven Gerrard to be in there alongside him? Does he want him to to come in as an ambassador? Does he want him to go and, and learn his trade with the U team or the apprentices? I don't know, but there's lots out there for Stevie G. Get his badges, he may get a job somewhere. Well, hopefully when he does come back, he can come and enjoy what we're all seeing at the moment at Liverpool. Absolutely yeah. fantastic stuff. So, Ronnie, brilliant. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, Mel's. This is the Five Times Podcast, the voice of the ex-Liverpool players. Jamie Carragher's mini tour of the US. There's only limited tickets still available. He's in New York City, Chicago, Toronto this weekend. Three days only, so get onto the website, fivetimes.co.uk, for all the details of the tickets and how you can be there to see Carragher over there in the US. And as Christmas is coming, you might be looking for a Liverpool gift for your loved one. Loads of ideas on fivetimes.co.uk. Jabby Alonso, Robbie Fowler, Bruce Grobel are signed shirts on there to name but a few. But be quick because the lads are expecting big demand in the next few weeks. Don't forget there's loads of gigs coming up in the lead up to the big day as well. So maybe it's an office night out or a few drinks with your mates or even taking the misses. London, Portsmouth, Norwich are all on the stops for the five times boys in the next few weeks. Cara's going, Fowler, Smicer and McAllister. This is the Five Times Podcast, hosted by Neil Meller. Let's speak to uh, another academy graduate, former teammate of myself, Stephen Warnock, who's now the captain these days of Wigan in the Championship. Stevie, how are we? Very good, thank you. You? Yes, all good, thank you. Tough season so far for yourself there at Wigan, but how's it been under the new manager, Warren Joyce, arriving? Uh, I think it's still early days at the moment. It's Like you say, it's been a tough season so far. Um so to coming off the back of winning the league last year, we we, we knew it would be a difficult season to sort of come into the league with the likes of Newcastle, Villa, uh, you know, it's just spending big money. Um, so it, it, it was always going to be a, an uphill challenge and one that we, we thought we, we could deal with. But then the change of manager last week was uh, a, bit of, a bit of blow for the lads because he bought every single player into the squad and, um, and now it's up to... Uh, Warren Joyce to sort of turn things around and, and try and get us up the league. Well, he had great success, didn't he, Warren Joyce at Manchester United in the in the youth teams there and and the reserves. You know, you're the captain down at Wigan. How much are you looking forward to to working closely with him? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because he's going to have his own his own ideas and sort of bring his own philosophy into the club. So it's uh, it's another challenge for myself. That's the way I look at it. Is that you've got a new man coming in and you've got to impress him again so you've got to lift your levels and show what you can do and and then hopefully you can try and bring the best out of every player No game this weekend it's international break how do you view international breaks these days? Uh, I think it's different isn't it a lot of managers like to give teams a bit of a break knowing that they're going into the Christmas period but because we've changed our manager he's looked at it as he needs to get quality time with the players and he's had us in um, every day to be honest sort of working on things and trying to see what every player's where every player's at if you like and, and how they uh, what they're going to bring to the team or what potentially they can bring to the team for him and his system You're an experienced player now you've you've had loans earlier on in your career and now 
as a more senior player in the dressing room, you see lone players come into your club from various different clubs, wherever it may be. How how do you try and help these young lads differ from the youth, the reserves, to what they're used to, to actually being in a senior environment? I think that's the, the big thing, is that you've, you've got to adapt to it to understand that it's a man's game. You're not playing youth football anymore and you're playing for three points. I remember when I first went to Bradford on loan, the biggest eye-opener I'd ever had because it was the club that was in administration and suddenly you're, you're fighting for people that are not getting paid and if they get relegated then the club could potentially fold and things like that so it was a big eye-opener for me and I, I really I think I thrived under it and, and sort of it made me grow up quickly um, and I think players now they look at it as an opportunity to play games and I think the only thing I'd say is that they they need to take it serious because the players who have actually got contracts at the club, you've got to really live up to expectations to, to impress them that you're not just there for a, for the ride, really, and you've got to commit yourself to the type of club that you're joining. Let's have a little look at our academy now. I remember back in the day at the Kirby Academy, it was under 19s, under 17s, and it was, uh, it was a lively environment and... Now they're talking about potentially the first team coming down there and mixing it. How beneficial do you think that would be? I think it'd be perfect. I think I think it's one of the biggest things you can do. Um, we had a, we had a, the under 18s come down to our place the other day because we trained separately as well, and you can see the buzz it gives them when they come down. But it's also a buzz for the first team as well to see who the next ones are coming through, what they're about, what they're like, um, whether they potentially are good enough to make it into the first team or to train with them um, I think it's a massive thing for them because to see the senior players day in day out how they train if you're at, if they're at, I mean say if they move to Kirby for instance and they've got the afternoon free or they've got the morning free or an hour free and they nip down and just watch the first team train and see how the habits are and what they do and the standards I think that can only help the, the, uh, the young lads improve well, a number of young players have just signed new contracts. Ben Woodburn, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kevin Stewart, perhaps not quite as young as those other two. But how impressed have you been with, with those players and, and progressing into towards the first-team environment? Yeah, I think they've been very good. I saw Woodburn at close hand when uh, when, when we played, um, when Wigan played Liverpool at the beginning of the season. And he's massively impressive. I think a lot of people are sort of saying, don't give him too much hype too soon because... They don't want anyone to take him off us and we don't want to build him up too much and things like that. And You can see he's going to be a, a, a real asset. Um, he's only 17. It, yeah, he is, yeah, but Incredible. he's playing with men and he's he's proving what he can do and I think he's still scoring now in the under-23s and showing the type of talent he is. I think Klopp's very wary of the type of player he is though and, and is trying to handle him as well as he can. Uh, I think... Trent Alexander-Arnold did very well in his debut against uh, Tottenham. I thought uh, he, he was very... I think he, he handled the occasion very well because Tottenham are a very good team. I think you have to remember the type of team that they are and the challenge it was. But it was a massive challenge for Liverpool that night to sort of breed the young lads in but not lose the momentum of winning. And the lads who came in and played just fitted in normally like they'd never not been there, if you like. So I think that's a credit to them and a credit to Klopp as to, to how he integrates his players. How tough is it though you've experienced that when you had a little taste of first team action and then you're thinking, when's my next game? Where does it come? Yeah, I think that's the, the difficult part, isn't it? And I think that's where even the senior players are finding that now is that 
he's not really changed his team that much. He, he's got a team that he likes, Klopp, and he, he's trying to stick with that. And it's it, it must be tough for them. But for the young players, it's the likes of your Woodburn, he's got to realise he's still 17 and it might take him a couple of years to, to progress into the first team. But them little bits that he's getting are vitally important now. And the same for uh, Alexander Arnold. He's, he's, he's obviously a talent and they're trying to nurture him in the right way. Uh, as with Stewart as well, he's had a little bit more involvement. But I think he's is it his second contract this season already, or close to it. He's, he's only just recently signed something. So Klopp obviously has got big hopes for him and, and sees him as a player that he, he wants in around his squad. So that can only boost his confidence. Let's have a talk about a position that you're familiar with. Played a number of times in Liverpool's first team at left fullback. James Milner's occupying that position at the moment, doing very, very well. What have you made of how well he's done there? It, it just doesn't surprise me. He's just um, he's a natural wherever he plays. When I was at Villa, he started off at right wing and then he, he moved into centre midfield and it just looked effortless, effortless for him. And then he went, when he went to City, you were looking at him there and he's playing up and left wing, right wing, centre mid right back at times and you're thinking he just makes everything look effortless but that's because he's tactically very aware of positions, he's very fit he's good on the ball so you can play him anywhere and I think he's, he's more than happy to do that I think you get some players you shift them into a position, they'd spit the dummy out and not want to play there, well that's not my position I don't want to play in that position whereas he embraces it and just gets on with it and people respect him more for that a lot of speculation in the August transfer window that we need a left back we need to bring one in but he's done that well do you think he's done well enough to maintain that position throughout the season and then when the window comes in January we don't really need to be looking at that position because he's made it his own yeah possibly I think Klopp spoke about that at the beginning of the season though. I think he's gone about his business very well Klopp a lot of people were moaning at the beginning of the season sort of saying we haven't signed anyone we haven't done anyone but I think if they look back now they'd go well we should have trusted him because of the buys he bought, the players he bought in, and the players that he didn't bring in. Everyone was pushing him to bring the left back in. And who'd have thought that he'd have put Milner there and he'd have thrived in that position. So what credit has to go to him as to knowing his players and knowing what they can bring to the uh, bring to the table. Finally, to finish with a nice little story this week about Aaron Creswell, who's just been called up to the England squad. He may get his first appearance, I'm not sure, against Scotland or not, but he was released at Liverpool. Uh, he was about 15, 16, the year we won the Champions League in 2005. It just goes to show that academies don't always get it right, and if you have that desire, that belief to try and make it, that you, you can get through eventually. Yeah, I think so, yeah. He's a very good player, sort of followed him for a while now with him being a local lad and seeing seeing how he gets on. I think he's he's acquitted himself very well at West Ham. He's gone in there. I think he had a couple of tough games early on but then sort of uh, come to the fore if you like and thrived under it and he's he's shown his quality. I think it you do look at players sometimes and the mentality of how they change things around. When you get released, how do you react to that? Do you just sort of sulk and, and not sort of bounce back from it or do you, do you just crack on and say well football's about opinions and that opinion's of the one that they don't fancy me so I'll go to somewhere where their opinion is that they do fancy me and I think he's done that and he's he's really kicked on now and he, he's, pro, he's he's sort of got to the level where everyone thought he would have been before he got his injury last year Steve brilliant get your feet up this weekend and enjoy uh, no game yeah cheers thanks very much I will do enjoy the family time cheers Steve
Cheers, thank you. The final word on the Five Times podcast. Well, our season's just getting going. One Liverpool season is already over. The Liverpool ladies finished fifth in the WSL after a new look squad and new manager took over the reins. Let's speak to their skipper, Gemma Bonner. Gemma, delighted to welcome you to the Five Times podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. <laughs> well, you finished fifth. I know having won the title, you wanted to win the title, but realistically, was that success this season? Yeah, I think we have to definitely see it as a success. Um, we were a new group coming together with a lot of changes, both on and off the pitch. And for us to, I think there's quite a big gap between us and the team below. So for us to be in the top half of the table and realistically, we're not too far off the top. Um, so we have to be definitely happy with the way we've come together in our first season. How difficult was that, a new manager and so many new players coming in? Um, it was it was difficult and a lot of hard work went into it. Um, obviously, with such a big turnover of players, it was going to take time to get used to how each other play and the understanding both on and off the pitch. And I think it took a few games for us to gel. Um, but once it did, that we we always knew we had the quality within the squad and I think eventually the results started to show and hopefully next season we can get a bit more consistency in the results um, and have a stronger finish. Who's come into the group that's made the biggest difference do you think this season? Um, I think probably there's been a few players but I think for me Sophie Ingle was a key signing for us. Um, she's only young and I think it speaks volumes the fact that she got players player of the year as well um, and she's played in both defence and midfield this season season but for us she was a real key sign and has really helped the group gel. You are full time and we wanted to know a little bit more about the insight what an average day is like for yourself. Um, for us we're in generally five or six days a week depending on games. Um, we come in we'll have on the double days we'll do gym session first in the morning um, then go off have our own lunch and come back for the pitch session in the afternoon um, and we'll do a pre-activation session before we actually get onto the pitch um, and then usually when we're, when we're playing in season we have one pitch session in the afternoon um, and then it's usually preparing for the games at the weekend um, we have the day off after a game to recover and then back in on the second day to prepare for the next game you mentioned there about the fixtures I think there was three weeks wasn't there from you beating Doncaster to that Arsenal game yeah. how frustrating is that um, it's very frustrating as a player um, you always want a structured schedule and for us when we started pre-season back in January to now be finishing our season this week it's it's a long season for us and as players to kind of peak at game times when they're once every one, two, f three weeks um, it's hard and especially with international breaks in between your players have got to be both fit for club and country and hopefully the change in the league um, will benefit everyone uh, both the players and and the fans as well, so it's a more structured schedule. Um, but for us, we're just looking forward to having regular games and um, I think hopefully that will improve the quality of the league as well because it's difficult to get into any kind of rhythm. Mm. Well, tell us about that. Is that what the plan is for the WSL going forward, that there will be more regular games next season? Yeah, that's the plan. I think at the moment it's quite broken up. Um, we've got international breaks quite often um, and last year we had obviously the break for the World Cup and then the Euros so hopefully it'll 
benefit the international players as well, playing a full season regular and then going into the international at the end of the year. What happens now for you? Season's over? Holiday? Yeah, um, it's been a long season for us, um, but we get some time off now in December and then we're back in January. Um, There's a, a spring series in the meantime in the kind of turnover of the leagues just to keep everyone going and ticking over um, before the actual league restarts in um, I think it's May time we, we're back in for that What about the men's first team how much of an inspiration have they been this season with, with Jurgen Klopp and how well they've been doing Yeah I mean watching them it's, it's such an exciting time um, to be involved at the club and they're, they're a real inspiration for us and how they're playing the attractive style of football and I think the whole atmosphere around the club, it's, it's a, that real positive vibe and you can tell Jürgen's come in and made a massive difference and hopefully we can kind of come up with something similar, style of play and um, contribute to the atmosphere. We will look forward to seeing that exciting style of play next season. Gemma, thank you for joining us. No, thank you very much. This is the Five Times Podcast, the voice of the ex-Liverpool players. That's it for the Five Times Podcast this week. Massive thanks to my guests, Phil Thompson, Gary Gillespie, Ronnie Whelan and Stephen Warnock, Gemma Bonner too, from the Liverpool ladies. Biggest thanks though to you for downloading. Keep spreading the word, keep enjoying it. Sadly, there's no football for us to enjoy from Liverpool, but with it being international break, a little bit of a breather and then back to it for that game against Southampton. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 